Well, good. What are you guys doing here? You sure? You sure you're in the right place? You really want to be here? Just want to make sure that people didn't drag somebody in here against their will. Because I don't know what's going to happen, but I intend to... If somebody was talking to me before church this morning, I don't want to teach, I want to preach. And I have a sense about what's in front of me and what I want to preach on, but I have no idea how it's going to come out. So, you out there had better be praying for me. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, it truly is a delight to be gathered with your people in order that we might worship together. The God of the universe as Dennis suggested, the most omnipotent God there is. In fact, the only omnipotent God there is. And Father, I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds, that we would receive the word of God. And I pray, Father, for an angel to take his tongs and reach in and grab a coal from the altar and touch my lips so that what comes out is strictly and straight from the throne room of grace. God, that our hearts would be changed, our outlook on life would be different, and our worship of God would be pure. So Lord, help me, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when Dan's up here, you probably have a pretty good idea of where he's going to be in the Bible because of his commitment to exposit an entire book of the Bible and not skip over the awkward or the more difficult passages. We saw that in Genesis already. Remember when Jacob's boys decided to right the wrong that had been done to their sister Dinah? I think that was in Acts 34 or Genesis 34. Remember that? Remember when Judah did something that he shouldn't have done, an ill-advised relationship with his daughter-in-law, Tamar, or Tamar, or Tamar, you choose the pronunciation, in chapter 38. So Dan doesn't skip that stuff. So unless it's a special event like Christmas or Resurrection Sunday, you can pretty much get a pretty good grasp of where he's going to be in the Bible. But for the rest of the elders, when we get a chance, not so much. <laughs> we are all over the place. In fact, it's probably going to be, I think I've mentioned this before, that what we're going to preach on is something that God is working on in our hearts at that moment, 
Or maybe there's a portion of Scripture that God is really opening up for us, and we want to preach on that. Dennis last week preached on loving Jesus by obeying His commands. What a wonderful study. That is something that we really need to really consider as we walk in this Christian life. Are we loving Jesus by obeying His commands? For me, <laughs> for me, my sermon started a couple of weeks ago. Karen and I were driving into Tillamook, had the radio on to a Christian station, and heard a sentence that just, boom, it just drove right into my conscience. And I had to wait for a place that I could pull over before I could write down what I had just heard. And I didn't get it all for verbatim, but it said, our faith isn't going to make sense in real life, end quote, if it doesn't help us in the trials and tribulations that God allows in our lives. Let me read that again. Our faith isn't going to make sense in real life. Do you think your faith is affecting your real life? That got me to thinking about the end of 2022 and looking forward to having that year in the rearview mirror. I mean, I started out in January having a kidney stone blasted. Then in February, I found out that the prostate cancer had come back, and I had 32 doses of radiation to kill the cancer. Praise God, that seems to be the case. And Tim, this thumb, this arthritic thumb, at times just drives me crazy. And when does it drive me craziest the most? when I'm trying to fall asleep. It just aches at that time for some reason. And then I had a right leg that was giving me all kinds of fits that ended up in surgery at the end of 2022. Can you, have a, can you get a sense of how I was glad that 2022 was going away? Looking forward to 2023? And then the unintended consequences of the surgery. I tell you, as I thought about all of that, I wondered, has my faith enabled me to deal with all of that? And almost instantly, the Holy Spirit brought to my memory right up right in front, a passage of Scripture. So if you would turn to Hebrews 6. I guess most of you probably saw that up there and you were already there. Hebrews 6, 
We're not going to go into the part of the, the scripture that can sometimes be a little bit contentious or weird or whatever, but I'm going to start by reading at verse 9 of Hebrews 6 to get to where I want to be. Hebrews 6, verse 9, Dear friends, this is out of the New Living Translation. Even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for Him and how you have shown your love to Him by caring for other believers as you still do. Verse 11, our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. Sounds like keeping the commands of Christ, right? Loving others as long as life lasts. In order to make certain that what you hope for will come true, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Remember those promises we got as kids? Remember those promises? The one promise that always sticks out in my mind, oh, there's a couple. One of them was, we're going camping this weekend. Does it make you understand how long three or four days could be? <laughs> how long you have to wait to get to the weekend so you can go camping? How about the one, oh, this is one of my favorites. We're going to go to the lake today for lunch. Two or three hours is an eternity while you're waiting to take off. Did it matter to you who made those promises? Think about those promises that you received as a kid. Did it matter to you who made the promise? If it was my mom, I knew that she was going to do everything in her power to make sure that the promise was fulfilled. If it was my dad... I knew he'd try because he really wanted to keep the promise. His was, we're going fishing this weekend. Loved that one. But I sensed somehow that there were going to be things that were completely out of his control that would affect that promise. Like his employer. He worked in the swimming pool business, building in-ground swimming pools. And sometimes they'd have to work on a Saturday. Maybe it was things that got broken in the house or the car that were completely out of his control and that promise was not kept. None of that, none of that is true about our God. If he makes a promise, take it to the bank. In these two verses, in 11 and 12, 
The writer is encouraging his readers to keep loving others, following the commands of Jesus, which in turn will keep them from becoming spiritually dull that will enable them to maintain their faith and endurance. Then the writer gives us an, an example. So at verse 13, For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. That idea of waiting patiently for the promises of God to be fulfilled. Um, Abraham and Sarah, at this point, everybody knows, I'm sure everybody in this room knows their story, that they were without child. They were way beyond childbearing years, and God makes this promise to them at that point in their life that they were going to have kids and that they would have innumerable kids and that they would be a great nation. How do you receive a promise like that? When physically you think, how in the world is this going to happen? You ever had promises made to you that you just didn't see how that was going to come true? That that would ever be fulfilled? But Abraham waited. Why did Abraham wait? Why do you think Abraham would wait? Okay, this is kids' club. You can't answer. Why do you think Abraham would wait? Say again. He believed. In Hebrews it says, Abraham believed and God credited to him as righteousness, that he was, in our vernacular, he was saved at that point. Which is true of us, that if we believe, we have salvation in Christ. So God waited patiently for what seemed like an impossible promise to come true. And I love the end of verse 15 in the NLT. And he received what God promised. He waited patiently, and he received what God promised, even though it was physically an impossibility in Abraham and Sarah's eyes. Verse 16. Now when people take an oath... They call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. When you sign that contract at the car dealership and put your John Hancock on the bottom page, you're saying that I am going to pay, pay that loan off. And it's binding. It makes me really appreciate the warning in Proverbs that says, do not be a cosigner. 
because you have just obligated yourself to whatever that person is doing. <clears throat> the oath is binding. There's a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a lot of people in this room right now who's growing up, heard from their fathers and grandfathers that that handshake, that word from their mouth was binding. Their word was as good as gold. Their handshake, handshake made it sound, made it seem like this was set in stone. Maybe not so much these days do we have that kind of oath giving. Sometimes it's very easy, it seems, that words get broken, that promises get broken, that oaths are not kept. But then we go to verse 17. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. Do you think God needed to give an oath after his promise? If he gave a promise, don't you think he'd keep it? Absolutely, he would keep his promise. But he bound himself with an oath. And it says in the NLT, so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. Are you thinking about some of the promises of God's Word right now? Are you thinking about some of those things that God has said in His Word that are promises to His people? Are any of those coming to mind right now? Those can be taken to the bank. Bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise. Promise from the Lord God himself. Is there a promise that stands out to you right now from God's word that is directed to his people? That verse says, so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. Are you thinking about a promise right now? Verse 18, So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. So when he gives the promise with an oath, Neither one of those things are going to change until the promise is fulfilled. He cannot lie about his promise to us. Reading on in verse 18, Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. In the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, I think it's Numbers, 
It talks about the city of refuge. God had Moses set up six cities of refuge. Three on the east side of the Jordan, three on the west side of the Jordan. And these cities were set up so that if somebody accidentally killed somebody, then that person could run to one of these cities of refuge and that city had to protect that person. They would judge that person, obviously, <clears throat> just to see whether or not their story is true, but they were to protect that individual. In those days, is it true in these days that if somebody harms you, you want to get back at them? In those days, if somebody killed one of their relatives, they wanted vengeance usually, on that other, on the perpetrator. Even if it was by accident. So God set up these cities so that people that accidentally killed somebody could run to these cities and they would be protected within those cities. Now, looking back down at verse 18, second half. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge. Have you fled to Jesus Christ for refuge? Have you fled to him for protection? And what protection would that be from? Wouldn't it be that you are in Christ, you are protected against the wrath of God that will be poured out on the earth? So Christ becomes like a city of refuge for those who accept him as their Lord and Savior. They are then protected from the wrath of God. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. So, As we run to Christ for refuge, we wait patiently as Abraham did for the fulfillment of those promises. I'm going to take a look at one of those promises that sort of stands out to me, especially as I think about running to Jesus for refuge to protect myself from the wrath of God that is to be poured out. So turn to John 14. This is Jesus talking at verse 1 of John 14. This is Jesus talking at uh, Dennis. Is this the Last Supper? Yeah. During the Last Supper. And reading again out of the NLT, verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. 
There is more than enough room in my father's house. If, there were, if this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way to where I am going. That is a promise that I love to go back to over and over and over again, that he is going ahead of me to prepare a place for me. And he just said, I will come and get you when everything is ready. Is that a promise that finds a place in your heart that gives you this sense that I am protected? that God himself is going to bring me to himself in that place he is preparing for me. Can you imagine what that place is going to be like? How many in here have an ache or a pain? Raise your hand. I want to see all of the aches and pains. Won't be there. We won't have them there. I'll be able to walk on both legs again. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Now the disciples are sitting there thinking, he's leaving and he's going to a place that we don't know where he's going, but he says he's coming back to get us. We have this perfect ability to look back on this and have what's happened since the writing of the New Testament. We have the ability to know that this has happened for our benefit. Not just theirs, but for ours that this is spoken to believers, that he will come and get us when everything is ready. So are you waiting patiently? Enduring. Enduring. It's a great way to put it. We are enduring in this place until everything is ready. Apparently not everything's ready because he hasn't come to get us yet. Turn quickly to Titus 1, chapter 1. It's just a few pages back from Hebrews. Titus Chapter 1, verse 1. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, Promise them before the world began. 
There is another portion of God's Word that says that we have eternal life promised to us by God Himself. And it should give us great confidence. Back to Hebrews 6. And this is really where God had put on, this is really the part that God had put on my heart when I first heard that. Is our faith really making sense in real life? Verse 19, this hope, which hope? Therefore, going back a verse, therefore we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us, like John 14. Verse 19, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Any boaters in here? There's Bill. You got a big anchor at home? How big do you want? <laughs> I should have had you bring one in. <laughs> but what's the anchor for, Bill? Holding it where it's supposed to stay. So you pick out a place in the river or the lake and you want to stay in that spot, you throw out the anchor. And do we tr do you trust your anchors? Most of the time. <laughs> That's a man-made anchor, right? <laughs> anchor. Um, I can't remember exactly where I was when I saw this, but I was on a pier where there were big, big, they call them ships or boats? Ships. Ships? Okay. There's a Navy guy over there. <laughs> Say again? If it has a boat on it, it is a ship. And there were boats on this. They were hanging on the side. <laughs> and I saw this anchor. This thing was huge. And I thought, is that anchor my anchor in faith? Is that how big my anchor is that holds me firm and secure to endure 2022 and now 2023? This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. We often need anchors for our physical lives. We need to have boundaries in a lot of things. But do we have anchors for our souls? Can you say you have an anchor for your soul where the trouble just doesn't seem to really stir you up? Where you can manage the troubles and the trials. Is your soul anchored in your faith so that your life really makes sense? And not just to you. To those who are watching you, knowing 
about your faith? Does your life make sense based on your faith? This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Let that one sit there for a minute. The anchor leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Most of you, I'm sure, remember the Old Testament teachings about the temple and the tabernacle having this curtain between the holy place and the most holy place. And the only person that got to get, go into the most holy place was the high priest once a year to offer sacrifices for the atonement of the people's sins that last year. Well, Jesus has gone ahead of us. Verse 20 will tell you that. Jesus has gone ahead of us into the inner sanctuary and bids us come in with him. Can you imagine being in the inner sanctuary in the Old Testament times? If somebody went in there in, improperly, they were toast. In fact, it's told, I think it's true, you guys that are really smart, when the high priest went in there, there was a rope around his ankle. In case he messed up, they could pull him out. Nobody was going in there especially if he dropped like a rock. But Jesus said this hope, this anchor, leads us into the inner sanctuary where Jesus is. Is your life, your Christian life of faith, is it making sense in real life? Do people believe your faith? Do they believe that you have faith? Can they see, in the, see it in the way that you behave when the trials and tribulations, which Jesus promised, will come? There's house built on sand and there's house built on rock. They both have storms. The one on sand will fall. The one on the rock will not. Have you entered into the inner sanctuary with Jesus? Is he your Lord and Savior? Can you say that? And then ask Jesus to live through you so that your life and your faith make sense. I can say, I am so looking forward to John 14. I am so looking forward to him coming and getting me. Whether that's by dying before whatever the rapture may be or whenever the rapture happens, I don't know. I don't care. But I am looking forward to that point where Jesus is right there in front of me and my faith becomes sight. That is my hope. That is my anchor that has put me in this place where 2022 is, I wish it hadn't happened, but it did. I wish 2023 was a little better, and it's getting better. 
but I'm trusting. I believe unequivocally that that anchor has really made it possible for me to endure 2022 and now 2023. I pray that it's true for you as well, that that anchor, that big sucker holds. And I can't imagine that it won't be the same for you. Let's pray. Father, we